Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at tmobile.com/now. Today we're featuring the voice of Christmas, Johnny Mathis. Over the years, Mr. Mathis has released 6 Christmas albums. His iconic first one, Merry Christmas, was a tribute to his mother and father and is one of the most beloved collections of Christmas tunes ever. Now 87 years old, Johnny's in his 66th year as a recording artist and still performing. In fact, we only had a brief 30 minutes for this conversation because he needs to save his voice for his rigorous performance schedule, which means we didn't get to certain important landmarks in his life and career, like releasing the first ever best of compilation, Johnny's Greatest Hits in 1958, and the beautiful story of his coming out as a gay man in 1982. But we did get to talk about performing with his musical heroes like Duke Ellington and Nat King Cole. Mr. Mathis also shares a story about how he turned down the opportunity to qualify for the 1956 Olympics to instead launch his music career. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's my conversation with the legendary Mr. Johnny Mathis. Good morning. Mr. Mathis. Yes, sir. Oh, my Lord. Wow. It is you. You sound like you. <laughs> yeah, early in the morning, I'm really Johnny Mathis. Later on, I don't know what I am. My dad was my best pal, so I kind of sort of turn into him in the evening. Oh, you do? Well, I sort of remember him because he had a large family. He had seven kids, he and my mom. And uh, I was happiest about my career because I got a chance to make some money and take care of my brothers and sisters at an early time in my life, yeah. Yeah, so there's eight of you total. Yeah. Incredible. Reading about your parents' influence on you, particularly your dad's in music, was so touching to me. Yeah, we were a large family, 
And usually when you're a large family, everybody has something to do to make it work. And uh, along the way, I was very involved in athletics as a kid through high school and into college. In fact, I was a high jumper and a hurdler. And I, uh, my big claim to fame, at least in the sports section of the San Francisco Chronicle, was that I broke the great Bill Russell basketball player. Yes. I broke his high jump record in college. Another Bay Area legend. <laughs> they didn't realize that Bill and I were pals. And it didn't matter who won. We were good buddies anyway. When did you first meet Bill Russell, the great Celtics legend? Bill and I went to school at the same time. I went to San Francisco State. He went to USF. And uh, I left school and went to New York to make my first recordings. So he ended up in Boston. I ended up in New York. And we were real close together. We used to call each other all the time because the last time we saw each other, we were, you know, playing basketball. And you did leave to go to New York to do your first recordings. And interestingly enough, I believe... You were quite the athlete, as you mentioned. You were scheduled to do two things pretty much at the same time. One, your first recording for Columbia Records, your first recording session was scheduled in New York, and you were scheduled to go to the Olympic trials to qualify for the 56 Olympics. Those two things were in conflict, and you decided to go to the recording sessions. Well, my dad, he's the reason I sing. Mm -hmm. And so when the occurrence happened, as you mentioned, there was no option. I sang because he sang, and that was what we were going to do, and nothing else would get in the way. (laughs) It didn't matter how good you were at athletics and that you could go to the Olympics. You knew because of those nights you spent with your dad in the basement, with him on the piano, you singing, that was what brought you joy, and your family brought you joy. That's what you were going to do. Yeah, well, things worked out really well. Things worked out beautifully for the both of you guys. I do want to talk about you, of course, have some of the all-time great Christmas songs, some of the great renditions of Christmas songs. It's the holiday season. It's the Christmas season. And another person beyond you that I always think about around Christmas is Nat King Cole. And you got to meet Nat King Cole as a kid. Is that right? He was my vocal hero as a youngster. My dad sang and nobody heard him except us, but he... I loved Nat Cole, and uh, he brought his records home, and that was an occasion for me because occasionally Nat Cole would sing in San Francisco, and my dad would take me to see him. And uh, once in a while, I remember very vaguely that I got a chance to sneak backstage, and as he was passing through or something, I got a chance to shake his hand. And then years later, after I started recording, Nat and I sang in some of the same venues, and I'd meet him coming and going. <laughs> I wow. said, by the way, do you remember me? <laughs> I remember you, you little, and you'd say a little funny word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nat King Cole is so just brilliant. What did you learn from him in terms of phrasing and, and vocal stylings? Well, most people don't realize that he was not only one of the greatest singers in the world, but he was one of the great piano players. Mm-hmm. I remember having a wonderful conversation later on in life with uh, the great Oscar Peterson. Yeah. And Oscar said to me, that, oh, John, when I heard that, you know, he said, I want to quit playing. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> anyway, the fact remains is that I grew up in that 
situation in San Francisco where all these famous musicians came through all the time. And at a very early time, my dad, God bless him, had seven kids, he and my mom. My dad never lost his instincts for singing. And that's yeah. why I sing. Amazing. So anytime anybody of stature would come through San Francisco, my dad would take off from work, come home, pick me up, and we'd drive over and he'd sneak me in because I was <laughs> too young. And uh, I would get a chance to meet some of these great singers, uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Saravon, Lena Horne, Nat Cole. Uh, they all came through San Francisco. And uh, eventually after I got my start, and music and uh, uh, made it my life's work. I worked in so many of the venues along the way that yeah. they did, and I met them coming and going Amazing. on so many occasions. Oh, I remember you. Yeah. <laughs> Diana Washington wrote in her book that she remembered, I think, playing the Blackhawk in San Francisco, and she heard you sing and loved it, and you got to sing with her a little bit, or sing with her band a bit. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody. Yeah. The lady who discovered me, owned the Black Hawk in San Francisco. Her name was Helen Noga, she and her husband. And every famous jazz musician and singer came through San Francisco and worked that place. And of course, I sitting in the back where nobody could see me because they served liquor. And I would meet them all when I was, sometimes I was 16, 17 years old. And they remembered me after I made my first recordings because my first recordings were made with George Avakian, who was head of jazz music at Columbia Records, and that was uh, that was my beginning. So it's been a great uh, kind of growing up life for me, and I was very fortunate to be raised in a place like San Francisco where all these wonderful people came through. Yeah. Your first recording session was quite a jazz affair. You know, you had the great arranger Gil Evans, arranging some of the great jazz players on that record. And then your next record went in another direction. It seemed like that determined your career because the next record, Wonderful, Wonderful, was so warmly received and well-received that you almost went in a more pop direction after your first record. Does that seem fair? Yeah, most people you talk to who sing have many different aspects of their singing. For instance, I was going to San Francisco State College, and my best friend was my opera teacher. And, of course, later on, I got a chance to uh, utilize my voice in ways that were, you know, really reminiscent of the studies that I had with my opera teachers. But those are the wonderful sort of vague kind of things that happened along the way in my life that have made a great difference in my being able to sing at such an early age and to have some success. So yeah. uh, the fact that I was raised in San Francisco with all these extraordinary people coming through all the time, and I got to meet them and watch them and get a little idea about what it might be like to stand on stage and sing in front of people. And so it's, uh, it's, I've been very lucky in that regard. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more from a conversation with Mr. Johnny Mathis. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash 
Card Calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're back with more from Johnny Mathis. What was New York like when you first got there? New York was fast, loud, crazy, wonderful, (laughs) (laughs) everything. Everything that you could think about. That's what New York was. And I was all alone. I was by myself. I had never traveled. My mom and my dad had seven kids. We were homebodies all the time. Any kind of money we made, you know, doing odd jobs and things we brought home to share with the the family. But when I got to New York, I was alone. But I was absolutely amazed at the kindness that was showed me by so many people who just happened to meet me. They didn't know who I was. I didn't know who they were. But they treated me like a, a brother or a son or what have you. And from the time I went to New York, nobody knew who I was. And I got a chance to meet some extraordinarily gifted people. And later on in life, I got a chance to thank them. For instance, the one that comes to mind mostly is the great Bart Howard, who wrote Fly Me to the Moon and uh, so many other wonderful songs. Lovely composer. Oh, fantastic. And he was one of my best friends. 
he uh, heard me sing at an early age in some local nightclub, jazz nightclub in San Francisco while I was doing nothing, waiting for the record people to have me come in and make my first recordings. But I got a chance to wander around New York, and I, you know, I'd sit in the audience and listen to these singers, and occasionally one of them would uh, have me come up on stage and sing with them. So it was a, a wonderful kind of beginning for me. I got the best of the best of some of the the finest musicians and singers at an early age, and it helped me a great deal. Absolutely. Speaking of some of the best of the best, one of my favorite, absolute favorite records of yours, and I don't know if you've heard it recently or not, but Live It Up, your 61 album, Live It Up, with Nelson Riddle, produced by Irving Townsend. Yeah, I was overwhelmed by uh, being able to sing with Nelson Riddle. And you mentioned that, and I forgot all about that album, because that was one of my favorite things in the world is to work with Nelson Riddle. He was so sweet and so kind to me. And he was the top of the world at that moment, you know, because of his success with Frank Sinatra and et cetera. When did you first meet Nelson Riddle or, or how did that come to be that you worked with him on that album? I don't know, but people like Nelson Riddle are so gifted that they don't really equate you with other people, what they want to do is they want to share their knowledge with you. And if it turns out good, fine. And if it doesn't, and many times it doesn't, but if it does, you know, all the better for both of us. So I was very lucky in that regard. And early on, I met these wonderful composers and arrangers of music. Some of them I got a chance to perform with. I don't think anything great happened, but... Oh, oh what do you mean? That is a, a lot of great music. <laughs> you did a lot of great music. Come on. It's so good. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> you got it. I don't know if you listen to yourself or not, but you should put that on. That is a hell of a record. Oh, my God. Good. I'll call the office and have them send me a copy of it and listen to it. Oh, man. I don't know if you'll be able to hear this too well, but let me see if I can play you the title track off Live It Up. Okay. I'm planning to live it up while the living is good. I figured to fill my cup up to the brim. It's too hard not to sing along. I'm sorry, but I, I, I don't want to ruin <laughs> your performance. It's so good. Oh, God. I remember that. My goodness, that was quite a, an exciting time for me. Yeah. When when you worked with someone like Nelson Riddle, were, were you able to make recommendations about the arrangements and things, or would you mostly just leave it to the arrangers? I was so in awe of Nelson Riddle. He was so kind to me. And fortunately, the recordings that we made uh, were successful. Yeah, he was very kind and very embracing. He knew that I didn't really know too much about what I was doing, but he carried me in a direction that worked out just fine. Oh, yeah. Did you have a relationship with Frank Sinatra at all? I didn't get close to Frank. I knew him because he lives in California, very close to me. And I would see him occasionally at get-togethers that people would have in that regard. Yeah. And I was never close to him, but his daughter was one of my best friends, Nancy. And she used to beg me sometimes to talk to Frank, 
and so that he would embrace her a little bit more because evidently he was traveling all the time, so yeah. he didn't see it, wasn't that close to his children. Yeah. But yeah. I was very close to her, and she would always ask me, when you see my dad, tell him we love him and we haven't seen him. Did you get the sense that Frank was maybe a little jealous of you because your voice was so incredibly almost perfect and because you were kind of like the young kid coming up? You know, I have no idea what someone like him would think of me other than the fact that vocally I was completely different yeah. from his voice. Of course, yeah. The one who I was most endemmered with, or whatever the word is, was Nat Cole. Mm. Mm-hmm. To me, he was the beginning and the end of music because he was not only a singer, but he was a great musician. Yeah. And on occasion, I would get a chance to see him uh, while he was rehearsing. Occasionally, I would have my buddy, who was a piano player, and after he would finish rehearsing that with his uh, group, I would, you know, rehearse with my group. And uh, he remembered that from the yeah. time I was about 13 years old. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, there, there was a time in 63 where you left Columbia Records and went to Mercury. Mm-hmm. Big mistake. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. How come? Oh, it's all money. And the person who was my business manager was all about money. She was a, a very dynamic Armenian lady. She owned a club called the Black Hawk in San Francisco. Yeah, the woman who owned the, the Black Jazz Hawk. Club. Yeah, and she yeah. became your manager. Your, she, yeah. she, she became my manager, and she pulled all the strings as far as who I was going to be with and what have you. Her best friend uh, turned out to be George Avakian, who was the man who signed me to Columbia Records. Yep, producer and first so record. we made a jazz album with some of the greatest jazz musicians in the world, but they used phony names. They couldn't use their names because <laughs> <laughs> they're all signed to record company. You had Art Farmer on there. I mean, you had so many great players on that record. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, and the one, if you look really close, they got some funny names, and they were very famous musicians because they couldn't use the right name because Hilarious. they were just... Yeah, there was time recording-wise to somebody else. <laughs> Hilarious. A couple of those songs, I think Fly Me to the Moon and Prelude to a Kiss, you got to play with Oscar Peterson's trio without Oscar, but you got to play Herb Ellis on guitar was on that one and Ray Brown on bass. Yeah. That trio of Oscar, Herb, and Ray, that's one I think one of the great bands ever. And you got to have like two of them on your, on your first record. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I was absolutely... Over the Moon probably stepped into something that I wasn't ready for vocally, artistically. But you make an effort, and if you're in the right place at the right time, you get an opportunity to meet some of these people and even perform with some of them. Yeah. And that was the situation with me on that uh, first recording that I did with George Avakian, who's the nicest human being I ever met in my life, and he's the reason that uh, I was signed to Columbia Records. We'll be right back with more from Mr. Mathis after a quick break. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. 
What could future you do with more travel rewards, a hotel upgrade, lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel car. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're back with the rest of my conversation with Johnny Mathis. I want to play you just briefly just a little bit of your rendition of Manya yeah. Carnival from your Olay record which was on Mercury so even if it was a mistake to go I loved that Olay record yeah it is just mesmerizing hearing that thank you I had so many wonderful opportunities early on because I was signed by the head of jazz, George Avakian. So nothing was taboo as far as my singing was concerned. Yeah. I had signed to Columbia by uh, uh, the head of jazz. And, of course, the head of popular music was a man by the name of Mitch Miller. Mm-hmm. And he hated me. What? He didn't like when I was singing, and he was the person that you had to talk to if you were going to make popular music at Columbia Orchestra at that time. He was the head man, and uh, he didn't like me at all and what I was doing. But 
somehow, some way, the management at Columbia Records finagled him to uh, record with me, and uh, we went in and did uh, Chances Are, Top of Never, oh, etc. You did great records with Mitch Miller. I, I didn't know he didn't yeah. like you to start. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what do you think of Brazilian music? I adore Brazilian music. I was raised on it because in San Francisco, so many of the Latins uh, came through there. And uh, that that's something that I, I desperately wanted to do all my life was uh, to make Latin music. Like Antonio Carlos Jobim. And I just imagine some of these people must have just been big for you, you know? I met so many of them in Brazil. Oh, you did? You lived in Brazil? When did you live in Brazil? Oh, when I was about 19 or 20. Yeah, I lived there and uh, made so many wonderful friends. I love the language, love singing in, the, in Portuguese, the way they speak it. Like Luis Bonfa and all these just gorgeous composers. And, oh, it's amazing. It was amazing to live there as I did at an early age. They never go to bed. All they do is have music in their life and food and occasionally a little drink. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a lot of drink. Maybe a lot of drink. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a lot of drink. <laughs> When you went to Mercury, were you friends with Quincy Jones, who was there at the time, same time as you? Oh, he was the dearest, sweetest, kindest man in the world, and one of the greatest musicians, of course. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all my life, musicians have embraced me, because we're doing the same thing, except we do it all differently. Yeah. And uh, some of us are better than others. But we're all pals, and you know we all know that we struggle here and struggle there. And my goodness, some of the greatest musicians in the world I met when I was all alone in New York. And I'd go to jazz clubs, sit there all by myself. And they'd come over and sit with me and we'd have a beer or something. And I got to meet them very early in life and had some lifelong uh, friendships in that regard. Did, Did you ever get to meet Duke Ellington? Ah, what a lovely human being. Not only musically, but... Uh, personally, as a as a person, uh, he was so kind to me and so loving. I remember a meeting that I had with him, and we sat and we played. He played the piano because everybody came through San Francisco, and they had time off in the day, and they would walk around or something. And I I meet them, and Duke met me, and I sang for him. He loved it. I remember him sitting down with me at at one point. I must have been 19 years old, and he played the piano and uh, wrote down some things, wrote even some uh, a few words, and handed me the sheet to go and learn. And it was like, you know, it was the most magical place for a kid like me to grow up in San Francisco. Uh, everybody felt comfortable there, all the musicians who came through. And uh, I got to meet them and become pals with them. Wow. Did you ever connect with Billy Strayhorn, who composed with Duke? I did have a a meeting with Billy, and uh, I knew that he was uh, the reason for uh, so much of the music that I loved. Yeah. And uh, yes, I met him, and he was very, very kind to me. Wow, what a lovely human being he must have been. I, I just love what the, the work he did with, with Duke Ellington. Oh, it was, oh. It, was, it was a magical time for me, yeah. And, and I love the record you did in 1990, 
all renditions of Duke Ellington songs. It's such a lovely album as well, and a sentimental mood. Oh, and, and you interpreted a lot of a lot of those those tunes that we all love. How important was Christmas to you growing up, Mr. Mathis? Oh, Christmas was a big deal. I come from a large family, and of course, no money. But we didn't need money. Yeah. We had each other, and we had things and crazy stuff that we played with. And Christmas was a very loving time. It was the only time that my mom and my dad and my brothers and sisters and I were all together because my dad and my mom had to work their butts off all the time and they were never home really until late in the evening. So Christmas was wonderful because they had to stay, uh, stay around with the, with the family to make sure everybody was, you know, doing what they were supposed to do. Yeah. And so Christmas time was a very special time because everything was shared at Christmas it seems. So that was a, a big deal for me. And the first thing that I did uh, when I met this wonderful man, George Avakian, who signed me to Columbia Records, was tell him that I, uh, if, if, if he was really as nice as he seemed to be, <laughs> he would let me make a Christmas album for my mom and my dad. Yeah. So you did that for your mom and your dad. That was your way of giving back. To your mom and your dad. Oh, yeah, because they were the ones that made Christmas happen for us. That 58 Christmas record, man, Merry Christmas, with Mitch Miller producing, that was a great record. I love that record. So good. I don't want to take up too much of your time. If you don't mind, if I could play one more thing for you. I got to say recently, I was with my grandmother recently, and I, I played her Marvin Gaye's version of Maria. And I said, Grandma, listen to this. What, you ever, what do you think about this? Because I just was, I loved Marvin's version of Maria. And she goes, you know, that's really nice, but have you heard have you heard Johnny Mathis's version? And I said, you know what, I haven't. Let me pull it up. And I pulled it up and I was I was floored. And I just want to play a little bit of it if, if, okay. if you're comfortable with that. My... High note at the end. When you listen to that song, that high note at the end. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was always a traumatic thing when you're recording because you get one shot at it, especially with the orchestra. But fortunately, uh, I was in a good voice at the time. Yeah. Amazing version. You have one of the great voices of all time. Oh, bless your heart. You know, thank you so much for all you've done in music and for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. Thanks again to Johnny Mathis for taking the time to talk with me. You can hear all of our favorite Johnny Mathis songs on a playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brokenrecordpodcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Broken Record. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Ben Tolliday, Eric Sandler, Jennifer Sanchez, our editor is Sophie Crane, our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like our show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond.
Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. 